Welcome to the American Dad Podcast. This week, we'll be discussing our runner-up for the best episode of season two, which (laughs) is... Tears of a Clooney. Yeah. Tears of a Clooney. Big wiener. Number two. What will be number one? You won't find out this episode. So just skip this one. But we probably, you probably got your theories. You know what we're going to pick. The kind of person who thinks. So why this episode? Mm. This episode is the first to take Francine to as dark of a place as Stan and Roger are typically (laughs) want to go. We favor Francine episodes. I think that that's true. Yeah, that is kind of leaning that way, I think. Yeah, well, Francine in this episode, I was trying to make sure, but I believe that this is the first time where Stan has really treated her and seen her as an equal. (laughs) Super weird for him. Well, it seems the first time that it seems like he's genuinely in love with Francine. Most of the time he's just mistreating her for with with no real Mm -hmm. uh, redeeming quality to it. Right. Like he's just willing to do something for her. Well, when I say he treats her as an equal, what I mean is he smashes the glass out of her motorcycle <laughs> helmet while they're speeding around a cliff and uh, does not see her as somebody who can't take it. That's what I mean by he oh, okay. treats her as an equal. I was equal. thinking that less like that, but more that he is exceptionally nice to Francine in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I also misunderstood you. I didn't realize you meant he punches her as an equal. I guess this episode proves that Francine is one to be feared and respected. Right. And when she tells him what her dreams are (laughs) in the car, I think that he gains another level of respect for her because of that. He likes that she is sadistically going after Clooney. Mm -hmm. She really wants to make his eyeballs bleed. Francine. I'm sorry, but that's the craziest, most unsettling thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And we're totally going to make it happen. Also, Stan's friendship with George Clooney is arguably his best friendship. I can't think of another one where Stan had a better relationship with somebody. No, it's, it's the deepest he's fell for someone. I'm thinking of maybe the Satanist guy right. that he meets. But he. But George Clooney kind of loves him. Equally. Right. It's not. They should bring him back the, at some point. They the Satanist go. is a little bit annoyed with the way that <laughs> Stan is trying to change him, but he loves George Clooney for the way that he is, and George Clooney loves Stan the way he is. Damn it, you got him all wrong, Francine. He's the greatest guy in the world. He's taking me to his villa on Lake Como. And George Clooney is willing to do anything to keep Stan mm-hmm. in the end. Anything. And finally, Haley going through cancer, what we can only assume to be... <laughs> Haley finally getting what she deserves. (laughs) Haley going through cancer on her own while Steve and Roger are exploiting foster children. It's uh, pretty dark also. It's, it's It's a nice dark episode, and I think that's how we typically like it. That's how we like it. Is that how you like it? Okay, so the next part of our episode is A Plot, B Plot, go. Kalalo, dramatic sting. That was terrible. Francine turns 39 and decides she hates her life, but she hates George Clooney more for stealing the life that she could have had. Stan helps Francine carry out an elaborate plan to break George Clooney's smug heart, but winds up falling for Clooney's charms. Mm-hmm. And the B plot. Roger and Steve start a vineyard in the backyard using foster children as field workers. Meanwhile, Haley gets diagnosed with, treated for, and recovers from a terminal illness. 
Right, which they don't explicitly say is cancer, but we can only assume. It's probably totally cancer. cancer. <laughs> what type of cancer do you think Haley has? Butt cancer. Lung. I guess she would have died from that. Cervical. Let's go with cervical. She has to have something that I'm they saying thought that it's renal. she was going to die from. Renal cancer killed one of the Charlie's Angels, so it can kill anyone. Renal isn't anal, Paul. Renal oh. means kidneys. Oh, I really thought she died she of butt colon cancer. cancer. <laughs> nah, she must have had kidney Did cancer. Did you say renal or rectal? Did it say rectal or renal, Paul? I've been misunderstanding this for a long time. Everybody. Renal 911. <laughs> I really need to apologize to the estate of Farrah Fawcett for some of the comments I've made I over think the that, years. Okay, no, you're talking about Farrah Fawcett. I think she did die of rectal cancer. Okay, good. Renal means kidneys, but I think that you just picked that up from something else. Yeah, that sounds like me. I would okay. do something wrong. Basic anatomy should be a part of public education. No, I'm pretty sure Farrah Fawcett died from butt cancer, but we'll get back to that later. So next up is Toby and Deborah Watch 2000, or as we like to call it, <laughs> Toby and Deborah Watch 2000. <laughs> That's a good jingle. Yeah, it goes jingle, jangle, jingle. Okay, Paul, tell me about Toby and Deborah this episode. Raise the expectations because I'm really anticipating what Toby and Deborah. Right. I wasn't looking for them, but I'm going to be pretty excited to hear what they were up to, how they were involved in all of this. I mean, I know that they're in this episode. They have to be. I mean, otherwise, we'd look completely crazy. Right. We would look like complete fools if they weren't in this episode. It's on Paul's shoulders because Paul's in charge of this segment. He demanded that the segment be funded and that it be brought to light. 95% of the budget of the show went to the Toby and Deborah 2000. Yeah. Right. Brought to you by Del Taco. Brought to you by Hot Cheeto. Brought to you by King Taco. (laughs) Paul, dumbass, sitting there looking for Toby and Deborah, hours on end. What did they do, Paul? They're not in the episode. That's all I'm going to tell you. I've looked high and low. I thought a bald guy on a bridge could have been Toby. This whole new format has ruined Toby and Deborah. Watch 2000. They're not there. Let's move on to something that Paul couldn't ruin. Small details that ultimately made it the most beautiful day of my life. A box of flip-flops so the girls could dance. Trey, what is your box of flip-flops? Francine has her hand bandaged in a stumpy way when she first sees Clooney's basketball court and punches through the window in anger. What do the Cohen brothers see in him? And then later, her same hand is bandaged when she cuts it off. So she injures that same hand a bunch. It is her striking hand. It's her right hand. It's her anger hand. Yeah, she's got some severe nerve damage in there now. She can't feel nothing. She's a horrible cook. And Haley is diagnosed by Dr. Kirkland, which is the brand, their store brand name. So you get Kirkland toilet right. paper or whatever you get at Costco. We should also say that Haley's doctor, Dr. Kirkland, works at Costco. She's being treated by a Costco doctor for her cancer. <coughs> you should get that cough checked out. Costco has doctors now. Just check in with the lady who hands out the apple sausage. I can't get over how uncomfortable Kirkland brand toilet paper sounds. It just really... It's going to be straight up sandpaper. Yeah, you're going to lose some Kirkland. butt skin to that. Okay, Paul, what's your box of flip-flops? Stan has all of Clooney's entourage stuck in a shipping crate and ships him off on the SS Donkulix. 
Tom Dankowicz was an animation supervisor for American Dad and King of the Hill. This was a bad thing for me because I can't pronounce this guy's name. I'm trying my damn. I'm saying Donkeywicks. That's his name. Okay, so my box of flip flops so the girls can dance. <laughs> There's a couple of things. When Stan first meets George Clooney, George Clooney offers him a pipe, and then Stan says, "Thanks, but I don't smoke pipes. No one does. I'm bringing them back." And then at Christmas, because this whole thing takes place over a year, at Christmas. Roger and Steve are exchanging pipes because the Clooney influence has spread. Speaking of presents, thanks again for my Meerschaum bent dimple. And thank you for my Sergicopo flamata. And then later, Clooney decides to bring back mutton chops. So Stan grows them. And later, when the CPS, Child Protective Services, is there to take away all the kids, <sighs> uh, Steve and Roger also have mutton chops. And if you... Look closely. The people on the bridge, what in Prague, and then also at the bar that like that Francine meets George Clooney at. I'll have pipes and kind of means that chops. Roger must Sorry. have gotten mutton chop wigs because I don't think Roger can grow facial hair. I don't think it's Steve's mutton chops are real either. Okay, yeah. In this universe, George Clooney is just every bit as influential as he says he is. <laughs> hey, you like the mutton chops? Bringing them back. Our next segment is called Doing Research. Doing research. research. So much freaking research. So much freaking research. Irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Super irrelevant. Paul is irrelevant. All right, let's go to your research, Paul. I'm super happy now. What did you find? The show that Francine was an extra on, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, it's an actual show in the 80s. It was an actual show? It was an actual show from the 1980s. Please forgive me. I can't believe that the show was called Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I can't believe that it ran for four years with that title. It was big. People, like, they were nominated for Emmys and shit. <gasps> That's Kate Jackson and Bruce Boxleitner. You were on Scarecrow and Mrs. King? Why was it called Scarecrow? I think the guy was, like, a CIA agent, and I think his code name was Scarecrow. But yeah, it starred Kate Jackson... And Bruce Boxleitner. Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Jones checking in. Boxleitner, what a pro. And they also play themselves in this episode of American Dad. Bruce Boxleitner, I know he was in Tron and the Tron Legacy reboot. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. I think he was also in Babylon 5, but I'm not a fucking yeah, he nerd. Was, I've he never was seen in Babylon, Babylon 5. 5. Okay, Kate Jackson. So the diamond smuggler is posing as an optometrist? Was one of Charlie's Angels. Yeah, she was, I don't, I would call her the third Charlie's yeah. Angel <laughs> because everybody knows Farrah Fawcett who died of rectal cancer <laughs> and Jacqueline Smith. Who was named Jacqueline. So when I was doing research on this show, I came across a pretty recent speech that Amal Clooney did for <laughs> um, the American Film Institute's Lifetime Achievement Award Ceremony for George Clooney. Right. And she basically talked about everything they mentioned in this episode as being true. Uh, he was in a motorcycle accident a month before the AFI award. So there you go with the motorcycles. He allegedly calls old ladies at nursing homes if he thinks that it will make their day. So he also calls Haley for her make-a-wish <laughs> thing. Well, just hang in there, little darling. I'm pulling for you. He has had a dinner party with his 13 closest friends 
where he gave them each a briefcase with a million dollars cash in it. And he paid off the taxes on the million bucks too. And uh, she's like, the only thing, the only problem with it was the person who was the 14th closest friend was pretty upset. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I haven't even thought about that guy. I would be so pissed off. And <laughs> apparently he pulled, I don't know what movie he was in with Matt Damon, maybe several. Oceans, the Oceans Oh, okay, film. where he kept on replacing his pants in his dressing room <laughs> with smaller and smaller pants that had the same size, obviously. So Matt Damon was like working out like crazy and he just, <laughs> his pants got smaller and smaller. I don't know how you have 13 closest friends. Yeah, that seems absurd to me. That's an outrageous number I barely of like Paul. friends. And he's the well, closest. And also, George Clooney's an actor. He's very busy. He doesn't have time. He's got a wife. I think he's really trying he's, to get out of that. I think that... What, having so many friends? No, I think he's trying to get out of this whole wife and kids thing. That's why what? he almost bit the fucking dust. And I don't know if you've seen the video of mm -hmm. that accident he had. What, there's a video of it? Yeah, there's video of it. Like, he's just... A truck pulls in. His friend, who's also driving his motorcycle, goes right past the truck, has no problem missing it. Mm -hmm. Clooney drives right into it. You see his body go like 10 feet in the air and then fall down. I really think he's he hates it because yeah. I, I saw this speech. She's no prize winner. I don't know how she's convincing you know British judges to get people off death row because she is boring as hell. Yeah, I thought that she also mentioned this thing that he did that was so generous where they were shooting in 40 below and he was wearing a jacket and some of the crew wasn't and he refused to wear a jacket unless everyone else in the crew had the same jacket and she said <laughs> at the end of it even though it was 40 below even like, though no. like it's so crazy that he would not wear a jacket <laughs> because it's 40 below outside but that's it just doesn't make any sense to me. It was like a poor argument for a lawyer to make. <laughs> Even though it was 40 below outside, he demanded that the crew have jackets. Based on that speech, which I guess all three of us have watched this speech by you watched Clooney. It? I watched some of it gave up because she's very she's boring. She's very the boring. The outcome of the speech, I don't know if she intended this. If she's an expert lawyer, maybe she did intend it. Maybe this was her purpose. But I ended up hating George Clooney more than I've ever hated George Clooney. Uh -huh. I've never even thought about George Clooney. I don't care about him. Right. But after watching that speech, I was like, man, I hate George Clooney. I hope something bad happens to him. Well, what? also, I wonder how he has so much GD money because I feel like most of his career has been indie shit. That tequila. He made a lot of money off that Casamigos tequila thing. So he sold alcohol and that's how he made his money? Well, he made a lot of money off that. I think he made maybe a hundred-ish million dollars from that. He's probably kind of like Ashton Kutcher, sort of a more of a businessman on the right, side. He's than he's, like and he's also a producer. A pop chips entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> more so than he is making money from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> That's an amazing film. That's a one. That's the one good thing he's been in. What I'll I argue like. Okay, favorite George Clooney movie. You're saying, "Oh, brother, where art thou?" Yeah, I love that movie. Okay, I'm saying, "Fantastic, Mr. Fox." Ugh. I don't know. I guess I can. All, I can just say the only other George Clooney movie that I can think of. Which Batman. Was, oh, uh, I was thinking that one where he's like on airplanes a bunch. What is oh, that? up in the air. Yeah, why not? I, I didn't care. mind that one. I thought Intolerable Cruelty could have been a lot better. 
I haven't seen it, but I bet it sounds good. Like The concept seemed good because yeah. it was going to be like an old-timey screwball like comedy, but it wasn't very good. Uh-huh. I think that George Clooney would be good in that kind of movie where he's basically just doing just Cary, Cary Grant. Grant. Yeah, like yeah. which is what he's ultimately doing all like the time anyway. I'd like to see him and Julia Roberts in a screwball comedy, but sort of Aaron Brockovich where she's just a bitch on wheels. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's in Ocean's whatever uh, I'm not going to watch those movies. But yeah. if, if he's going to play Cary Grant, they need to hurry up and dye his hair or something because he's only 57, but the dude is quickly looking old. He's These babies are sucking the life out of him. All these motorcycle accidents are sucking the life out of him. <laughs> All those dude. All right, what's the next note? Let's, <laughs> let's move this what's thing along. What's the next segment? Cannon fodder is the section of our episode where we talk about something that was contributed to canon. Or an, so, an irrevocable fact that we expect the show to live <laughs> to up to. respect. Hmm? Stan, this is a high five truth. Paul, what is some canon from this episode? I got some canon for you. My piece of canon fodder is it's Francine had her right hand reattached. So going forward, she's got a Frankenstein hand, a little freak nub. Yeah, put that in the business notes. Going forward, Francine has cut off her right hand. She should have some limited mobility and some like coordination problems with that hand. Yeah, I know somebody who's cut off their hand and had it reattached with a skill saw. Or what are those things? Those, is it called a skill saw? Those circular? It's don't, called a circular don't saw, look right? At me, I can barely use I think a, it's a skill saw. Okay, but it's also called a circular saw. Yeah, and that's best case scenario. She cut hers off with like an old razor. I don't even know how she did it. She cut hers off with a razor that she used to cut off Stan's mutton chop. Gross. No, she had. But to, she cut through bone with it. Oh no! I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna throw up. She didn't necessarily have to mine. cut through bone. She cut. She could have cut through bone. the tendon or through the like the cart like the joints. Right. You, you spread that, that open, Paul. Did, yeah. There's just a little bit of ligament and I cartilage. I imagine she was tugging through. really Actually, hard. And then she was just kind of like cutting and it was kind of like splitting and she was tugging more. I mean, I assume that she had to have passed out multiple times while doing it mm-hmm. and then came to and then kept doing it. <laughs> Francine really hates George Clooney. Yeah. She would she yeah. would risk her own life to kill George Clooney. Mm-hmm. I don't think, because at the end of it, it makes it seem like she was only doing it because she hates her own life, but I think she really does hate George Clooney on a different level. (laughs) I think she would have to. It doesn't really make any sense. That arrogant, overrated, memo-writing bastard! He's not even an actor! He just does the same cheesy move every time. Looks down, then looks back up, squinting underneath his eyebrows, and everybody's buying it! My piece of cannon fodder is that Francine has a record of child abuse with the Child Protective Services. Do tell. I need to know some more <laughs> about this. Because I've been purposefully kept in the dark going okay. forward. So, yeah. Roger is pretending to be Francine when he gets the stuff delivered through Costco. And obviously, he's pretending to be Francine when he's adopting all these kids. I don't notice jack shit. All right, yeah. What do you course. think he does it as Roger? <laughs> Is there any definitive proof that he is pretending to be Francine? There is when he says, when the Costco employee drops it off and is like, All done, Mrs. Smith. 50 grapevines and 12 tons of soil. Great. Just charge it to my Costco account. Well, there you go. Right. 
So, uh, so according to Child Protective Services, Francine is an unfit mother. <laughs> she had foster children, abused them, and yeah. then had them removed from her. Right. They had to be taken away. Okay, my piece of cannon fodder is that Haley is a cancer survivor who was treated through Costco. We've already touched on this, but it is pretty ridiculous <laughs> what Haley goes through in this episode. It's a long year. Her family her. doesn't care. I, I assume that Stan and Francine knew that she had cancer and refused to come home. I think that that's why, a, a part of why this episode is particularly close to our heart is that it, <laughs> it really abuses Haley and no one cares. No one in the family cares. Uh, Jeff's that never there. Yeah, Jeff's not there either. No, she's Jeff ain't really... taking care of Haley mm. in her time of need. She's done cheated on him. <laughs> Couple times. Okay, let's move on to a slight aside, the awards show. And the winner is Stan Smith. This week, we're giving out the Come At Me Bro Award for Worst Episode. Very prestigious. Everyone in Hollywood is dying for the Come At Me Bro Award. And the nominees are... And the nominees are... I'm just going to cut yours out, Paul, so shut up. And the nominees are... And the nominees are... And the nominees are... (laughs) (laughs) Stanny, get your gun. For being a Haley-centric, ham-fisted political episode. <laughs> hey kids, listen to this. Guns make holes in your body through which you can potty. Just your blood and guts spill out. Bambi's mom could steal much grass. Tupac would be tapping ass if you hate guns. Scream and shout. Stand of Arabia Part 2 for doubling the runtime of a mediocre episode. <laughs> Please, your honor. I won't last in prison. Well then, this is your lucky day. I sentence you to death by stoning. And all about Steve for its lack of interest in canon that ultimately caused us to change the format of this podcast. (laughs) By destroying modern infrastructures, he hopes to create a Middle Earth in the here and now. And the winner is... You want to know what it is? You really want to know? Stand of Arabia, part two. <laughs> Woo, we did it. And part two doesn't have Thundercat in it. Thundercat's-, Thundercat's in part two, but she's only there to watch them be stoned, basically. Ow! It's over, Thundercat. Hor. It's not a great episode. There are some funny things. This, I think, is worth watching, but really only once. It's like when Lucy goes to Hollywood in the later seasons of I Love Lucy. I love those episodes. Those are the episodes I remember the most. When she meets John Wayne and she kisses William Holden. I William kissed Holden. William Holden. It was just a post 9-11 kind of world where you could harshly judge the Middle East and its policies. I don't want to go there at all. It's hot here. If I went there, you better just kill me. Lord, please send me some water. Fucking desert. That sounds awful. And plus, you wouldn't be allowed to go out without a man. You can't go out unless you are escorted by a man. I am a man, you dicko. <laughs> but it overstays its welcome, and it earns our come at me bro for worst episode. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to come at us. I think that a lot of people yeah. don't recall Embrace that episode us. at all. If you told them, oh, our worst episode of season two is Stan of Arabia part two, they'd be like, what? <laughs> 
Instead of a what? <laughs> okay, biggest laugh. Ha <laughs> For me, the biggest laugh is when Haley comes out in her various degrees of baldness to try to help the children. <laughs> Stop. The kids will freeze. Haley, it's too cold for you out here. I'm fine. I'm going to beat this, you know. Sure you are. At that sure point, they've are. got Haley living in the garage or the whole <laughs> house. I think the extreme cold helped her uh, overcome that cancer. Tough not. Right. Or when she's um, sitting at the Thanksgiving that they're having. Totally. Roger's a pretty good caretaker overall. I mean, he doesn't really help Haley, but he does offer her some sweet potatoes, I think. Which is nice. I mean, he didn't make squash. the sweet potatoes or the squash. Yeah. Heather or somebody made them. You cannot keep treating these kids like your personal. Save your strength, Haley. Have some of the squash Rebecca made. My biggest laugh is when Francine is cornering Stan with the razor blade. And then Stan breaks down crying, saying that he's only human for succumbing to Clooney's charms. And he cries in a funny way. <laughs> I didn't mean to fall under his spell. I'm only human. Ah, ah, I'm only human. Ah! I think Stan's crying is pretty uh, funny almost always. I'm only human. And that scene with the night vision goggles and uh, Francine stalking Stan in the dark is a reference to Silence of the Lambs. Uh, whatever. I ain't watching it. Now, my biggest laugh of the episode... Is when George Clooney's crying like a little smug bitch after Stan <laughs> leaves his smug bitch ass. It's not you, George. It's me. <laughs> but then sadly, Stan also cries because he sacrifices his love for Clooney for Francine's happiness. Yeah, I think that that's probably the funniest part in the episode. <laughs> because, I mean, I like, I think it's hilarious that George Clooney's crying, but I also, like, laugh extra hard when Stan is also it's crying. <laughs> Happy 40th birthday, honey. <laughs> when he tears up, but he has to keep it in. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Okay, next up is Roger's squirt, squirt, best, best moment. Squirt, squirt, best, best. Getting ready for the best night. The best night of my life. Everything's gonna be just right. Putting on a robe that's warm, but my squirt, squirt, best, best. Glug, glug, best, best. Get ready, my tummy is your nest. Cause I'm stepping in the best. Ah, best. <laughs> my favorite Roger moment is when the little kid says, water break, boss. Water break, boss? Oh, honey, don't call me boss. That makes me feel like some kind of monster. Call me dad. Water break, dad? No. Do you know what that's a reference to? Not really. I feel like the way he's dressed up, it mm -hmm. seems like it's a reference to Cool Hand Luke. Mm -hmm. That's my best guess. It like, is a reference to Cool Hand okay, Luke. Okay, cool. Like one of the big villains is kind of dressed like that, just like a sheriff with big dark sunglasses. And a big part of the movie at the end is... Uh, his sunglasses fall off and somebody steps on him. Oh, and then they kill him? <laughs> nah, I think that dude survives. Well, they do that in A Family Guy. They make reference to the same movie where they're like, 
telling the boss about everything they're doing. They're like, wiping my wipe my brow, boss. Drinking some water, boss. <laughs> like somebody goes off like to pee in the bushes and he's like, shaking the bushes, boss. Shaking the bushes. <laughs> cool Hand Luke is one of those movies that's like, yeah, I'm a man. I like Cool Hand Luke. Derp. <laughs> Is that the same one? It's like one? Shawshank Redemption. I am a man. I'm I've a never man. actually seen Cool Hand Luke like end to end, but I've seen it on AMC in different stages. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where somebody's eating a whole bunch of boiled eggs or something? Yeah, that's, yeah, a that's big Cool thing. Hand Luke. That's like the quote from the movie. Post- Look how many <laughs> boiled eggs I can fit in my mouth. <laughs> no man can eat 50 eggs. <laughs> he gets out of prison if he eats 50 eggs. <laughs> my favorite Roger moment is when he said, when the... CPS worker comes to take the children away and then Roger's upset and he says, my babies, my babies, who's going to stomp on my babies? And then uh, Roger finds out that the wine is not good. Oh, oh, this is swell. Yeah, take them away. They did a horrible job. I mean, it hasn't been fermenting very long at all. No, like, it it's takes like, a while. It's like going and getting a 2018. This is swell. <laughs> But it's basically the same joke. All these are of the same type of joke where you think Roger's going to care. Is he going to care? No, he's not going to care. These right. kids mean nothing to him. And going forward, what's the next category? Scategory. I like saying scategory. You can say scategory. You just can't say going forward. Potent quotables. Oh, God, it hurts so much. Yeah, having your period, Paul. Yeah, it's full of blood. Steve, do you know who said I can resist anything but temptation um jesus (laughs) it was oscar wilde oh gosh potent quotables what is your potent quotable it's not that funny but i think that i remember it a lot from this episode Mm -hmm. it's the part where they're the plane is landing in prague and it says we're now beginning our descent into prague and now george clooney begins his descent into hell Please put your seat backs and tray tables in the upright position. Please put George Clooney's heart in the in the in the sad right position. Should have ended with that whole descent into hell thing. Stan has such a desire to have a pithy rejoinder that he can't help himself. Yeah, he's trying to come up with a line for everything that the pilot says. Yeah, he should have a bunch of those in the uh, tearjerker episode. My favorite quote is when Steve's talking to the two girls and he says, ladies, take a memo. Boing. Ladies, take a memo. Boing. Sincerely, Steve Smith. Dictated but not read. Steve isn't really even worried that these children are being abused. He's more concerned that they're taking up so much space inside of this house, which they must be. There are a lot of kids living in this house. That's why (laughs) Haley has to move out to the pool house. I've wondered what dictated but not read means. Does it mean that someone just said some stuff, someone wrote down what they said, but they didn't read it back to them, they just sent the letter immediately? I think oh, that maybe makes it sense, does. yeah. Okay, my favorite quote is when Francine says, well, I'd better run. <laughs> well, I'd better run. George Clooney's head is about to have a big opening weekend. <laughs> and then later she's like, I'm going to split his head in two. Future senator? Oh, I won't chop his head in two <laughs> yeah she's about to go over there she's also wearing like the kill bill all yellow jumpsuit oh my god she is yeah she's about to go over there and do some quentin tarantino head splitting on george clooney 
You'd do the same thing. If my eyes were covered and you just heard me listening to that song, you would murder me. If you had gotten to a situation where you were extremely rich and powerful, which is ridiculous because yeah, you'd never, never do the happen. work, but um, you're just sitting there in a hot tub on a mountaintop listening to Jewel with cucumbers over your eyes. You I would, would take it from me. Yeah, sure. Why not? Something to do. <laughs> it seems too kind. <laughs> Because you're potentially killing him instantly at the peak of his existence. You should mm. at least make him afraid or something. Yeah, make him go back down a little bit, then kill him. Yeah, I don't know how St- how Francine would have felt if she had actually killed George Clooney. She'd be like, that's it for me. She would have been, wow, that was worth it. That was awesome. <laughs> that was worth everything. Who would you kill if you had a choice? I'm not. If you could kill one celebrity, that's how you get on this on an FBI watch yeah, list. Yeah, this is the problem. I'm like, I don't even want to put this out there. But I don't really... I don't. You don't hate any celebrities? No, good for them for entertaining me. There's got to be somebody I don't like, though. Who deserves it? You could stop them from ever showing up on another yeah, like awkward television interview. Annoys the bejesus out of me. Oh, Ewan McGregor. What is up with you and Ewan McGregor? Yeah, that's who I'd kill. I would end that I'd end that problem I have. What is this really about? I mean, I hate Susan Sarandon, but you don't see me cutting off my hand. I just cut my hair different for a while. I just cut my hair different for a while. Yeah, that's that's the honest to God truth. If I could kill anybody. Why do you anybody, hate Ewan McGregor so much? Boring. It's it's always it's like you don't like the amount of work he gets because of how boring he is. Yeah, it's like you're in the movie business. You don't always have to go with your s- second best choice. Wait, I feel like he's the second best choice that keeps getting picked. And it's just bad, and I'm not for it. And if you like train spotting, you can go ahead and eat a dick. Because Where, what, uh, when was the last time you and McGregor was in a movie? He's, he's should, like, he's Jude always Boss, in a movie. too old. He's always in movies. Every time I open my eyes, he's in a movie. You wouldn't choose the guy from Fantastic Beasts? He's also going to be in, oh, no, that's Jude Law. No, the, me, the main one. I don't have a problem with that guy, because I don't really watch those movies. I oh, what about that. Justin Bieber? No, you and McGregor. I'm I'm really enjoying. Oh, you know that. what though? I would probably kill someone just to hurt you. Yeah. So I would take out Matthew McConaughey. Leave him alone. All no, right? I'm he's taking a, Matthew McConaughey. He's a precious flower <laughs> to hurt you, Paul. If I found out that you murdered Ethan Hawke, I would know that you did it to hurt me, and that would be. A I wouldn't problem. even know how to identify Ethan Hawke. I'd be like, "Look, I killed this greasy sewer rat," <laughs> and you'd be like, "That's Ethan Hawke," and I'd be like. Good, because I thought it was a freaking <laughs> one in a million shot here. <laughs> thought it was a wet pour. <laughs> Final thoughts. It's a damn good Francine episode. As someone who is addicted to celebrity gossip. Oh, yeah. I fucking love that. Oh, my God. They yeah, get... you love that it's like a celebrity cameo. Yeah, they should bring Clooney back just for me. And also the guy who plays Clooney. Oh, finally, who who did it? Uh, it's like Andre Seglusia or something I like that. He's sure. just a guy who plays a lot of voices on this and Family Guy. But he does a very good George Clooney yeah, impersonation. Good and the guy who plays Sergei Petkov or whatever is John DiMaggio, who plays Bender and Aww. a lot of other uh, prominent cartoon voices. Yeah, I think he's the so, little yellow thing in Adventure Time. That's a pretty uh, pretty big get. 
Yeah. Also, when I think that's another good quote is bros before hoes. <laughs> bros before hoes. 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 Bros no. before hoes. When Stan does that to Francine, everyone in that apartment picks up all of their shit and leaves. Scurries right out. They're like, I don't want to be here when Stan gets back. <laughs> because he's undermined all of their work as well. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, he was rude to everybody. And Stan's jersey when he's playing. Clooney's boy number five. <laughs> yeah, their motorcycles say Clooney's boy. Yeah. And the Clooney tang. In real life, those 13 dudes that got a million dollars, they really call themselves the boys. Clooney's boys. He's yeah. very hateable. He's a very hateable dude. He's a real rip roaring son of I a I mean, bitch. if I were George Clooney, if I were that famous and that well off, I would make you wear something degrading like that, Paul. I would Totes. make you like. Christy's if I'm going to give you a motorcycle, yeah. If I give you a motorcycle, Wait, first sounded, of all, you're too much of a bitch to I like ride. ride a motorcycle. But it sounded like you said if I was going to give you a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> if I were going to give you a motorcycle, Paul, <laughs> it would say Christie's bitch. On it. <laughs> no, I already know. If I ever get a tattoo, it's going to be you're going to be brow beating me into the tattoo parlor. <laughs> And eventually I'm just going to agree, all right, if I can get a tattoo, it'll say Christy's bitch. Oh, <laughs> fine, whatever. Oh, just do what you want, my God. You won't be able to be buried in your family cemetery. There's too much garbage in that plot right now. I don't, I, I think if you're willing to get a tattoo that says Christy's bitch, you want a tattoo too much. Right. You want it for poor, like foolish reasons. Foolish games. Please. Yep. Foolish games. If Ariana Grande winds up dead, we didn't do it. But what we did do is record this episode. And yeah, there's episode two out of the top five. And we'll see you again next week for episode number one. Go to the Instagram, Best of American Dad, to guess what do you think the top episode's going to be. What will be number one of season two? Stay tuned. See ya.